Good morning. Welcome to the Letter to Philippi live broadcast. This is Sean Emsley. I will be your teacher as we'll be going through Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18 in our daily study, Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem time as we continue our study through the book of Philippians. And uh, it's great to have you with us. We're starting off a new week. This is actually the first day of summer. So, so summer is beginning for us in the Northern Hemisphere and going into winter for those of you who are in South Africa or, or Australia or anywhere else in the Southern, Southern uh, Hemisphere, you'll be going into winter today. And us here in the Northern Hemisphere, we start off summer day. Hopefully it won't be too hot this year. In Los Angeles, it can get to 115 or more on the hotter days. So hopefully it won't be that hot this year. But uh, it's great having you with us. This is the Letter to Philippi live broadcast coming to you from lettertophilippi.org, which is our new uh, newly formed Messian Jewish theological and biblical studies organization where our goal is to build a Messianic Jewish theology for the 21st century that's strongly grounded in the scriptures of Israel, in the tradition of Israel, and to be life-giving for the people of Israel and to build up the Messianic community as we build up our strong understanding of our, our faith in the one God of Israel, in his Messiah, Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, and into and into his new life that he offers us. So uh, we are are going to be starting this as we'll be starting with a word of prayer. And as we get into looking at these holy words today. Oh Lord, you are good. We thank you and bless your holy name for giving us this new day, for giving us these words of your righteous servant, Paul, to the people of Philippi, Lord. Help them, Lord, to, to be also for, for us encouragement in our life as living as, as Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles following the one God of Israel, Lord. Help us to come to see you in a new way today and help us to, as Paul calls us to, to be more like the Messiah because of what we said today. Thank you for this day. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. So the topic of for, for our study today, for verses 12 through 18 of, of uh, Philippians, is Paul's call to living the new life in the Messiah. And we be, we'll begin with verse 12. So these, these verses are we'll be focusing on, on calling the Philippians who are coming from a Gentile pagan background for them to understand their new life as followers of the one God of Israel and the followers of the Messiah of Israel. Verse 12, we read, So my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed when I was with you, it is even more important that you obey now that I'm away from you. Keep working out your deliverance with fear and trembling. After Paul had, had set before the Philippians the ultimate model of sacrifice, the Messiah Yeshua, who became a slave and willing sacrifice for the divine plan, he moves on to call the Philippians to practice modeling of the humble nature of the Messiah. As a founder of the Philippian Messianic community, 
and as an apostle of the Gentiles. Paul asserts his authority via this letter over them and over the Philippian community was served as a proxy for his appearance in person because he was imprisoned in Rome. So given his authority as the one who, who started the Philippian faith community and also the one who is the apostle to the Gentiles, Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul here, through this letter, is sending this letter as a proxy for him to be there to actually teach them these things. Though he's separated by distance, he offers official words of instruction and he does so in love, as evidenced by his referring to the Philippians as my dear friends. His words display the intimacy and immediacy of the relationship Paul had created with the Philippian community when he had been there in person. Paul's love for the Philippians flowed from his own love for God and obedience to God. As a Jew, Paul had practiced and has practiced Jew Jewish Torah observance throughout his life through acts of obedience ordered by Torah. For the mostly Gentile Philippian community, obedience would be different for them than for the Messian Jews in Philippi. But the same motivation of simple obedience would still apply. As we've been seeing before, Yeshua's own obedience to God and his plan, even death on the Roman stake, was to be the path for many of those who call Yeshua's Lord. This life of obedience to God is an ongoing obligation for Paul, which is the Philippians to keep working on their salvation by continually spiritual growth, modeling the Messiah. So we see here in this in this first verse that that Paul is calling the Philippians to understand that they have entered into a new life of obedience, a life of obedience to the one God of Israel and following his ways. In verse 13 we read, For God is the one working among you, both the willing and the working, for what pleases him. As the Philippians are being called to model Yeshua by Paul, he here demonstrates to the Philippians the importance of their work for Messiah by continuing the work of Messiah that Paul had began and also demonstrating the transformation in their lives, as was seen in John, biblical scholar John Walvoord's comments on Philippians 2.12, where he wrote, The work of Christ on the cross was only the beginning for the work of God for man. Rich was his provisions in the redemption, provided rich what as was his provisions in redemption, provided for the entire world. The application of the redemption to the individual the realization and spiritual experience of victory over sin involves a subsequent undertaking of God. God's method using the work of Christ as the basis and example of, of Christ as the pattern is to reproduce in the life of the Christian, or in our case, the Messianic Jew, the mind of Christ, the mind of Messiah. The secret of this is bound up in the little phrase, God worketh in you. In verse 12, however, is presented as an experience of manifesting the salvation which God provides in life of victory and obedience. Paul shares with the Philippians that all we seek to do in the service of God comes from God's grace. It is only by God's grace that, that followers of Yeshua can act righteously because it is in union with Yeshua that empowers right living. 
It is only by God's grace that followers of Yeshua can act righteously because it's in union with Yeshua that empowers right living. It's by our connection to Yeshua that we can live righteously and follow God's commands. As this verse says, it is God working in Yeshua, follower, that gives empowerment for good works. In the complete Jewish study Bible, on the verse 13, you read this perspective. This passage reveals a paradox of both human free will and God's foreknowledge. God is active and not separate from his creation. Yet his foreknowledge does not explicitly mean foreordination and that he grants humankind's free will. It would be a denial of God's own nature to not do the work that pleases him. Where stated by Rabbi Kiva, all is foreseen and free will is given. So we see the see God's work in creation, but also it's he he doesn't he give he do, he gives us free will to make the decision to follow him, and we are empowered by God's Spirit to follow God's commands. In verse fourteen, we read, "Do everything without grumbling or arguing." One of the major themes of the Philippian letter is a joyful unity within the community. And clearly, verse 14 addresses actions that would be antithetical to the unity of the community, of which grumbling and, and disputing would, would harm the, the unity of the, the Messianic community of Philippi, and all, and all Messianic communities would be, would be hurt by grumbling and, and disputing. As Paul had called the Philippians earlier in the chapter to model the sacrificial giving of Messiah, which we saw in the Messianic hymn, Paul continues here to stress that unity impacts the a local community and also the outside world, which Paul terms a twisted and perverted generation in verse 15, is in living without grumbling and disputing that unity can be reached in community. In laying aside these negative attitudes, the Philippians can stand renewed unified in their community, and be a positive example of Yeshua in the pagan world of Philippi. Yeshua is a supreme example of humility. And for those in Philippi that Paul is calling me more and more in Messiah, the most important step is to remove all obstacles to pure living. This is grumbling and arguing, which represent the polar opposite of Yeshua's example. And as we'll see in chapter 4, that there is a case of two leader, women leaders in the community, Avodia and Syntyche, who were in disagreement. They were grumbling and disputing and causing, causing disunity to flow throughout the missing community as, the, as the, the disunity among the leaders in the community spreads throughout the whole community and causes the disunity of the body. Paul is, is, is reminding the Philippians here that they need to rid themselves of any kind of grumbling and disunity, any arguing that would separate them from others in the community and separate those within the community from one another. <clears throat> we come to verse 15 now, as we continue our look at Paul's teaching on the new life in the Messiah. In verse 15 we read, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God 
without defect in the midst of a twisted and perverted generation among you shine among whom you shine like stars in the sky paul is teaching the philippians and us by example that as children of god they are to live as lights or as he says to shine like stars in a dark world the jewish notion of light is a sign of righteousness derives from from daniel 12 3 for those who are righteous and call others righteousness will shine like stars so we see this so we see this from daniel this concept of of those who are righteous as daniel was righteous within the the darkness and the wickedness of of uh, the babylonian world as he stood out as a light in the darkness this picture of light and being being shining like stars in amongst the dark world is is something that that is drawn that in this passage is drawn from the Tanakh from the writings of Daniel, and Paul is calling the people of Philippi to live as lights in a dark world, to be to be stars amongst the darkness of the sky. Even early in Proverbs, we see the Torah being pres presented as light, where those who follow Torah will shine forth, with the brightest of God's standard for right living. In Proverbs six twenty three, we read, "For the mitzvah is a lamp, Torah is light." And her proofs the discipline is the way to life. In later Jewish tradition, we can see the connection between light and righteousness in Rashi's commentary on Genesis 1-4 when he wrote, And God saw the light that it was good, and God caused a division. Here also we must depend upon the statement of the Agada. He saw the wick that the wicked were unworthy of using it the light. He therefore set it apart reserving for the righteous in the world to come. So we see here in, in the writings of, of Rashi that, that there is a connection between light and the separating of, of darkness and light in the creation with the separation of light and darkness between the righteous and the unrighteous in the world to come. In verse 16 we read, as you hold on to the word of life, if you do this, I will be able to boast when the day of Messiah comes that I did not run or toil for nothing. The word of life is the good news of the Messiah Yeshua. In the first, in first Yohanan, or first John one, one through three, we read an extended description of the word of life. And these are powerful words from Yohanan, the the uh, disciple of Yeshua, the writer of of the the Besorah of, of John, and also the writer of the Book of Revelation. And my namesake, being that Sean is a is the uh, the Gaelic or old old Irish version, old Irish translation of the word Yohanan. We read from these words from, from John, the word which gives life, he existed from the beginning. We have heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We've contemplated him. We have touched him with our hands. The life appeared and we have seen it. We are testifying to it and announcing it to you, it to, it to you eternal life. He was with the father and he appeared to us. What we have seen and heard, we're proclaiming to you, so that you too 
They have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Yeshua, the Messiah. Let's read that again. These are these are powerful words, and that uh, give in this short as the as the Messianic hymn in chapter two is a short representation of the life of Yeshua. As in this here is also a short three verse presentation of the life of Yeshua and him coming to our world. And we read, the word which gives life, he existed from the beginning. We have heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We've contemplated with, with him. We have touched him with our hands. The life appeared and we have seen it. We are testifying to it and announcing to you eternal life. He was with the Father and he appeared to us. What we have seen and heard, we're proclaiming to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua the Messiah. Paul has invested his whole life, his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus, to bring in the good news of Yeshua to the Gentile world. The boast he envisions is in the assurance that after years of sacrifice and suffering, the Philippians will hold on to the gospel, the good news of Messiah, until Yeshua returns. Paul calls the Philippians to live lives shaped by walking within the good news of Messiah. Not just knowledge of, of the good news of Messiah, but that it is internalized, and that the good news of Messiah is within them. That their lives of faithfulness will honor Paul's life of service to Yeshua. Part of Paul's boasting lies in his resting in the reality of his faithful work coming to fruition in the changed lives through his ministry service, through his life of bringing the good news of the Messiah to, to the Gentile world. He sees that as something that he holds on to and can boast in properly, not out of pride, not out of out of out of worldly pride, but in true, true uh, humble acceptance of what God has done and boasting in to the glory of God. In verse 17 we read, Indeed, if my lifeblood is poured out as a drink offering over the sacrifice and service of your faith, I will still be glad and rejoice with you. Here Paul refers to his life being poured out as a drink offering, a reference to the practice of many ancient religions, including Judaism, to have drink offerings to the God or God, as we as we will see throughout the the Torah, we see that there are drink offerings that were offered at the temple, along with the various various offerings, the burnt offerings, the 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 Thanksgiving offerings, the other offerings. There were there were also drink offerings that were poured on the altar, and so Paul here is using that reference from from the temple worship about the drink offerings. And refers to his whole life as being poured out as a drink offering. That his whole life has been this giving of himself sacrificially to the work of God, to the glory of the Father, and to bring the word of Yeshua to the world. Paul acknowledges willingness to suffer and sacrifice on behalf of the Messiah, which he does with joy and also as an act of service to the Philippians. 
He is showing the Philippians and us by example, a glowing example of what sincere love and service means. In practical terms, he speaks to them in this letter. Paul is also looking at his impending execution and pictures his whole life of service to Yeshua as a figurative drink offering. His whole life serving Yeshua since he encountered Yeshua at the road to Damascus to now, now 20 some years later, as he's in Rome waiting his execution. All of this, all of this, this in his life that, that he has, has gone through, that he has, he has suffered for, he sees that all of this has been an ongoing drink offering, an ongoing sacrifice of himself for the Messiah and to the glory of God the Father. All of him has been poured out. Everything that he has, he has given to his work in making Messiah known. As Philippi was known for all the temples and religious services of the false gods of the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, and the emperor cult, Paul's drink offering points to a new priesthood, a new priesthood for the people of Philippi to understand, a priesthood of the one God of Israel, that rather than the, the sacrifices and the priesthoods of the false religions that came from, Paul is saying, you are now in a new way of life. You are in a new religious context. You're in a new faith context that you are following the God of Israel and you are within his context of, of worship. And Paul here is saying that, that all of our sacrifices in our life are for the God of Israel. And Paul is being poured out as a sacrifice for them. And as Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, Romans followers, of, the Romans, followers of Yeshua who are willing to offer themselves as living sacrifices. But as Paul had spent his, his whole life as a believer in Yeshua, sacrificing himself for the work of the Messiah and poured his, himself out like a, a drink offering, he, he is a, a calling the Philippians and us reading this letter to like him to completely pour out our lives for the service of the God of Israel. We're making the Messiah known and standing as faithful representatives of Yeshua within this dark world and to be lights and stars shining th through the darkness, the darkness of our, of our world that we live in. And we'll be concluding our, today with verse 18, which reads, Likewise, you too should be glad and rejoice with me. As the Philippians were to rejoice in God's work in the world being done through the suffering of Paul, they should find in their own sufferings opportunities to model their Messiah and give glory to God for drawing them near his service and the future glory of the Messianic kingdom. As Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 129, that we are to consider suffering for the Messiah with joy. That we are given, he says, we're given the opportunity to suffer for the Messiah. Which, as I said, if in, in our in our world, it's there's there's this, and just just in general in life, there's an aversion of suffering. So, you know, but here Paul is saying that in our suffering, in for our testimony of the Messiah, for our 
faith trust in the Messiah, for our willingness to stand for the Messiah in this dark world, it is truly an opportunity for us to model our Messiah in this suffering. And this, and Paul, Paul even calls him here to rejoice as he rejoiced in his suffering because as he's able to continue to even in prison to share the message of the good news of Messiah with those who he those who are the the jailers he, he is able to share with them and the message is spread throughout the the emperor's household and in believers in Yeshua throughout the world to be encouraged by him being faithful to Yeshua even though he's suffering and now facing execution. Paul is calling the Philippians and us by example to understand that suffering is a part of our life following the Messiah. And as our Messiah suffered for us, as Paul suffered for his his witness of the Messiah, we are to be willing to, and even to rejoice that we're given the opportunity, that we are counted worthy to be sufferers for the Messiah, that our faith has a cost, but that there is a great cost to believing in Yeshua in this world. There is great reward when we see our Messiah, we enter into unending life without pain and suffering, without death in the world to come when Messiah reigns and death and suffering is defeated. Paul's rejoicing is not is for the sake is not for the sake of being self-destructive or somehow somehow seeking suffering for the for for uh for a self-destructive way but is in furthering the work of yeshua and the world paul is not is not saying to actually seek out seek out suffering you know for, for but He's saying that there will be suffering following the Yeshua, and we are to be willing to to suffer for him, and as Paul did, even if we were called to give our lives for the witness to the Messiah, that the, that the Messiah Yeshua is Lord, and that there is a cost for that. And many of our brothers and sisters in the faith, even today, are giving their lives for the Messiah and, and are give, are actually suffering and dying because of their faith in Yeshua. As we said, that is that has not come come to the Western world and the, and the United States as yet, but there are throughout throughout the, the rest of the world, our fellow our co-believers among the nations are giving their lives as testimony to the one God of Israel. As Paul rejoiced in his chains, in his being imprisoned, it was not for the chains that he was that he was rejoicing, not for some, as I said, for some self-destructive way that he was somehow looking to be, to be in chains or punished, or some, some uh, ill motive, but he saw it as an opportunity to make the Messiah known, in new ways into new people, as he says in chapter one, that the jailers are hearing about about the message of Yeshua are sharing amongst themselves, even to the imperial household. They're hearing that this man, Paul, is in chains, in, is in prison because of his belief 
in the, the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, and because of his connection to the God, one God of Israel. So in this, in these these verses, we 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 see verses twelve through eighteen. We see Paul moving from the messianic hymn that we looked at last week, the example of the humble Yeshua who gave his life as an atonement and will reign soon. May that day come soon to reign over all of creation and all of the created order to bow before him. So he has brought them to see the Messiah that they, that they have devoted themselves to the Messiah who is their life both now and forever. And now he's moving them to understand their new life in the Messiah, that it was a that it will be a life, life of standing out, being a light in a dark world, and that being a light in the dark world can lead to persecution, and suffering, and as I said, for some, even death for their holding on to the truth of the Messiah. But he calls them to rejoice in all situations. Whatever they whatever they go through, even the worst of suffering, even death for the Messiah, they are to live for him and to shine their light, even though the, the world is getting darker and darker. And for us today, as we read these words, we we know that our world is getting darker and darker each day. But it is for us who have come to trust the Messiah to live as lights, to live as stars shining amongst the dark, darker and darker skies of the world we live in, and to continue to stand up and say that we are followers of the one God of Israel. We are followers of the Messiah. We are willing to stand for that because he has given so much for us. We are willing to give our all, and as Paul says, to have our whole life be a a, a drink offering our whole our whole being from the time we come to know Yeshua until we we take our last breath to be devoted to him for him and living in context of a faithful Yeshua following Torah faithful life for Messianic Jews that in each mitzvah that we perform we show our love for the God of Israel. We show our connection to Yeshua. That he says, he says to us that if you love me, this is in Yohanan, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That our love for God, our love for Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, is through our observing Torah, observing his mitzvahs, and living life that that are living out the mitzvot, living out the Torah commands as faithful Jews following the one God of Israel and living as Talmudim of Yeshua, righteous Messiah. And the verse, verse continues that, that, uh, that if, if you love me, you'll keep my commands and I will grant to you the comforter, the spirit to give you strength in so doing. So so in following God's commands, in ordering our lives by Torah and following the mitzvot, we are actually empowered by the Ruach Hodesh, by the Spirit of God to even do more for God. So it's it's a continuing 
it's a continuing work of observing com God's commands, then receiving power from the Rakhos, from the Spirit of God, to do more, to, to do more mitzvot, to follow more commands, to follow more of God's Torah. So it's a continuing power pattern as we as we follow God's commands, we're more empowered to do more, and we can continue this process of conforming ourselves to the image of the Messiah. And as Paul says, to become more and more in Messiah. That our lives are not just to be believing in Yeshua as Messiah as a as a as just a mental a mental assertion, but our life is about living for Yeshua each day and every hour of our of our day. So it's so it's a matter of that it's not just something that's that we believe in our mind, but live out throughout all our lives and our whole lives as followers of Yeshua should be poured out as an offering, poured out as a drink offering to the God of Israel. And in that we truly follow what Paul is calling us to do here to become more like the Messiah. So that will conclude our study day at the Letter to Philippi live broadcast, an initiative of lettertophilippi.org, the newly formed Letter to Philippi organization that uh, is seeking to build a 21st century messianic Jewish theology that is firmly grounded in the scriptures of Israel, in the tradition of Israel, and gives honor and glory to the God of Israel and Yeshua, righteous Messiah. So if you want more information about Letter to Philippi, please go to lettertophilippi.org. You can find out about organization. You can find out about our leadership of the organization. If you have a prayer request, you can leave a prayer request there. If you want more information, there's a, a uh, information link that you can click on to ask any questions you have about us. We'd appreciate if you could give a contribution to keep this work going, to cover our, our uh, production and streaming expenses, and also hopefully one day allow for for uh, other expenses to be, to be paid for. And you can make a donation on our website too. And uh, as I said, we'll be adding more content over time. And if you miss any of these broadcasts, this is now our 12th, our 12th program that we've done. You can go to uh, our teaching link on the site, letterphilippi.org, and either watch or listen to the previous courses we've done from uh, chapter 1-1 to now 2-18. So there's 30, 30 verses in chapter 1, eight, 18 we've done so far. So 48 of the 103 three, uh, verses in the book of Philippians we've covered. So so all those all those videos will be later today will be available on on the website, the the 12 previous previous videos. And again, thank you for watching, and uh, we'll close with a word of prayer here, and we'll go on with our day and first day of summer. For those in the northern hemisphere, first day of winter in the in the southern hemisphere. We thank you, Lord, for these words of your righteous servant, Paul. We thank you, Lord, that we have the, this time, this opportunity, Lord, through the internet here, Lord, to 
learn from you, to learn these words from the Apostle Paul and the application that they, we can make to our own lives. Help us because of this, Lord, to become more and more in Messiah, as, as Rav Shaul calls us to. And help us to be lights in a dark world. As our world around us gets darker and darker, help us to be those stars that shine and like Daniel to stand up. And even if we're the only one who, who stands up for you in, in the crowd, we ask, we ask, Lord, to give us the strength in that. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, for all those who are who are participating in this program, for those who are, are watching and learn about you, Lord. Help each one of us to become more like you as each day goes by. We thank you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for Yeshua, who is our life, and in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you for watching, and uh, this was the Letter to Philippi live live broadcast, which is Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem time, and we are streaming on Facebook Live and Instagram Live, and we may be on, li on YouTube Live. I need to check to see if that link has been set up, but we will be on Facebook Live on my personal page, my R. Sean Imsley page, author page, and also in the letter to Philippi, letter to Philippi page, and also we'll be streaming live on my R. Sean Imsley page on Instagram, and I'll post to the letter to Philippi page on IGTV later today. So once again, thank you for watching. This is Letter to Philippi Live with your teacher, Sean Imsley an initiative of letterphilippi.org, a Messianic Jewish theological research and teaching organization. And tomorrow we'll be looking at the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus, two, uh, two fellow believers, uh, people that were familiar to the Philippian community. Timothy, the, the uh, traveling partner of Rav Shaul, who actually helped him write this letter and also Paphroditus, a member of the Philippian Messianic community who was sent from Philippi to be with Paul. So these are, we looked at earlier the example of Paul, the, the humble example of Paul in chapter one. In the Messianic came, we see the humble, the humble example of Messiah Yeshua, the greatest example of humility. And then we'll be looking at, at Timothy and Paphroditus to two co-workers of Paul who were two examples of, of humility familiar to the people of Philippi, those who are modeling Paul and who modeled Yeshua. We'll be looking at, at tomorrow at the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. So once again, thank you for watching and have a blessed day. And this was Letter to Philippi Live with Sean Imsley.